0: Let's see what the stew has for us today.
1: Welcome to the GnomeCast the Gnome Stew's Tabletop Gaming Advice Podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by our awesome Patreon backers like the boisterous Ben Madden, the bountiful Bob Quek, and the bodacious Block Party Podcast. Today we have myself, Ange, along with Phil, and friend of the stew, John Carney, who has also been a guest author in the past. John, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are?
0: Oh, hi. Uh, I'm John Carney, and I am an avid gamer and or dungeon master and or uh, cat daddy, as it were. And uh, <laughs> movie quoter. Uh, I talk mostly in movie quotes from the 80s, which is bad because all my players are now young, which is yeah, better.
1: Yeah, it's it's sad when you drop a quote that, you know, 10, 15 years ago would have been instantly picked up on, and you just have a sea of blank faces in front of you.
0: It is. It is humbling.
1: Now, today, our main topic is going to be talking about the eagerly awaited and nervously considered idea of returning to -to face-to-face gaming. Before we dive into that, though, we're going to ask a get-to-know-a-gnome question, and that is, because we are all gamers of a certain age, describe for us the most memorable location you ever gamed in your early days. Phil, I'm going to start with you.
2: Uh, Sure. So this is like, I don't know if I consider this early days, maybe like mid-days, so because it was the 90s. Which I think now I have more years past me from the 90s than like of gaming than I did like when I was gaming in the 90s. So, all right, I was running a Vampire the Masquerade campaign as you do in the 90s. It was required. I think we all at one point checked in with a World of Darkness game. And I wanted my players to get a really good feel for what Buffalo by Night was going to be like. So our first session of the game was actually a diceless session that we played in a spot coffee in downtown Buffalo, right in the middle of Chippewa Avenue, which is like the big it's like where all the bars are. And we just we all showed up, you know, in our various vampire like, um, you know, (laughs) long, dark coats and gear. And it was yeah, it was winter. And we just we got a table and had a bunch of chairs and we sat down and we had some notebooks and we probably just looked like, uh, like a book club or something, but like we were full on playing our first session of vampire on a Friday night, like nine o'clock in a coffee house in the middle of downtown Buffalo with people walking around and stuff like that, just to like get that feel of what, you know, what it would be like if you were on, you know, like on the streets in, you know, at night, that kind of thing.
1: That's awesome. I, I, I don't know whether to call that brave or just that 90s level of screw you. I'm a gamer. I'm going where I want.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was like, I, I, you know, it was definitely a lot of that. It was just like, well, we're playing this game. We didn't have any dice with us, so it wasn't going to be obvious. And uh, we just like did our thing like we did our thing, drank our coffee, observed people like it was it was cool.
1: How about you, John?
0: Wow. That uh, that brings back memories. Because probably when you were doing that 90 miles to the Southwest, I was playing D&D at a wing joint. So there was a <laughs> back when chicken wings cost a nickel a piece and uh, all you could eat was a 550 check. We would go to this one place and they got wise to our maneuver that we were coming and we were all uh, men of a certain size as it were. So we would <laughs> destroy their wings and was all you could eat so we would they realized that we were eating so much they they slowed down the delivery like they do to slow you down so that's when we pulled out the player's handbooks and dm guide and off we went at this table playing dnd as we waited for our chicken wings they thought they could wait us out but no 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 <laughs> they don't know the true power of thaco the math alone yeah. takes two minutes just to resolve a roll, so it's fine god
1: yeah my uh my my most unusual place was probably the loft of a garage slash barn in the middle of nowhere it was probably summer of 87 uh my my gm was part of my graduating class and we usually played at his house and he lived with his aunt and uncle and usually she didn't have a problem with us kind of taking over the dining room but i think she had just gotten to the point where it's like you know it was summer we were out of school. Some of us didn't have jobs yet, which meant we were always there. And she kicked us out of the house. And Tom realized that he could basically turn the loft of this, this garage slash barn into a gaming space. So we would all climb up the ladder into this loft, open the the the, the bay doors on the top level of the, the thing. And we'd play D&D until we were eaten alive by mosquitoes by the light of you know like a little old oil lamp
0: <laughs> wow that sounds pretty great i have a more yeah. modern more modern place which is kind of cool if i'll bring that up really quickly is i'm a, I'm a big fan of jonathan colton the musician and he has a, a cruise he does every year and in 2017 i went on that cruise and uh of course D D was one of the activities so i ran D D on a cruise ship which i think is that was that was pretty cool it's a bucket list item right there
2: that's awesome I have once run a uh, I I ran a game in Cancun, Mexico in a uh, at a resort for a friend's wedding uh, in the middle of like their coffee shop thing for (laughs) coffee shops and games. That's the furthest I've run from home.
1: So let's get into our main topic of discussion. Uh, While it may be too soon to say the pandemic is over. It's definitely too soon to say the pandemic is over. Vaccines have allowed many of us to start feeling more comfortable at the thought of getting back to gaming in person face to face. Phil even did an article back in May on this. uh, And, you know, in a week or two, I'll be headed to a small gathering of gamers and friends. And we thought it would be good to bring up this topic and talk about it. So, Phil, why don't you tell us about your article?
2: Sure. So, the, you know, as we are at least in this lull in the pandemic, you know, the time to consider about getting back together face to face is a topic that comes up, especially as. People get access to vaccines, become vaccinated. And uh, when I wrote it in May, I was uh, I think I had just completed my vaccine series and my gaming group was all lining up to get vaccinated. Either some of them had started or some of or they had dates set, that kind of thing. And so that's where it came up was, okay, if we are vaccinated, it should be safe to game face to face again. How do we go about doing that, right? And that's what the article talks about is like, because we need to talk about safety, you know, and I'm, I'm normally a fan of talking about, uh, you know, in-game safety, but in this case, player safety, we need to talk about getting together face-to-face as a safety issue, mm-hmm. right? And, and take into consideration those things. And then, you know, we need to look at like transitioning back from virtual tabletops to a physical tabletop. And just what, you know, like what's going to be the transition in the experience? Now, the good part is I've done it so I can definitely talk about both, you know, what to talk about to prepare for it. And I can give you some experience about what happens like once we get you get back face to face. I don't know. Have you have both of you also been playing face to face yet?
0: Yeah, I've I've returned to uh, one of my groups has returned to face to face, but I think it'd be worth taking a moment just to acknowledge what an incredible privilege it is to be able to meet back face to face. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, you know, it, it's, it's a a hard, hard year for everybody, but it's not over for a lot of people.
1: I know a lot of, uh, a lot of Canadian friends are only just starting to get their yeah. vaccines now. So it's been,
0: yeah.
1: it's been tough for them, you know, talking with them, you know, in social media or just w- however I'm chatting with them in, and, and like, they're waiting for their opportunity to get the vaccine so they can start even contemplating doing some of this stuff. Yep. My group is, is, has not returned to face-to-face gaming because in both of my Saturday groups, we ended up with the situation of, well, we're gaming remotely. There's no reason not to include the person who lives six hours away that we would have included if they were living here. You know, that's the one group. And then the other group, uh, about three months into things last year, she got a new job in Albany. So she's about three and a half hours away, you know, out in Albany. So neither group has has done, you know, return to -to face-to-face because we have those folks involved and we don't want to exclude them. We we like both of them very much and you know want to keep them involved in gaming. The one With my friend who is now in Albany, um, we've talked about maybe doing a once a month or a once every other month in-person game because you know one of the other players in the group is her cousin, so she has family reasons to come back this way frequently. So it was like, why don't we do that? We haven't gotten to that point yet because there's been just general chaos in everyone's lives, but it's, it's on the table of discussion to have happen. What I have done is um, I have, you know, played board games in person with folks. We we not too long ago did a board game night that was, you know, really like I'd miss that. I'd miss that. You know, like it's one thing, you know, I'm greatly appreciative of Board Game Arena for allowing the opportunity to get together with folks on Zoom or whatever and then just log into Board Game Arena and play these games. But there's something else to be said about, you know, ordering a pizza and having everyone together at the table and picking the games and, you know, just physically being there with everyone.
0: Oh, absolutely. Order pizza. I, I cook for everyone I game with. That's why like people come to my house.
1: I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't. Oh cook man, time. I would play
2: in your games. I've seen your cooking. I would play in your games in a heartbeat.
0: I, 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 I cook for, so I, this is just what I do is I have a D and D game that runs every other Sunday and I make something for the, uh. For the group, so this week was it was a pulled pork, uh, pulled pork tacos. It uh, was just
2: it's so good. I would GM the game if you make brisket. Like I would just, I'm just, I'm just saying that right now. Like, all right, well, you right'll get
0: that on my let's, calendar.
1: Let's let's touch upon this fact for a moment. You know, because food is a part of gaming in person. Mm-hmm. You know, the snacks, where's the Mountain Dew, uh, just you know, all of that. It's part of that whole social experience of getting together and gaming, and I've missed it. You know,
0: it's so. a food yeah. is a communal thing and so is gaming and they go hand in hand. And that's what, that's, what's great about to be back at the table is I've got both sides of my, I think, personality able to work together now. And that is, it's, it's such a relief, you know, for, for that group, it's just been the best. And, um, getting back together has come with challenges, but it is most welcome.
1: Yeah. Have, um, for both of you with your groups that have gotten to ba- get back together, were there any concerns for anyone in the group? Like hesitant to start getting back together face to face again? Or it was was it pretty much, you know, gauging everyone was at the same comfort level?
2: No, we I mean, we had we talked about it weeks heading up, heading into um, heading into getting together face to face. So, you know, we were fortunate. Everybody in our group was um, old enough to and was able to get a vaccine. So the first kind of the first like tier of safety was okay, everybody here uh, has a vaccine, right? Like Mm -hmm. everybody has and and completed both, you know, both series of shots plus two weeks, like fully vaccinated. So that was like our first criteria. And then there was like, we talked about it, like where was everybody's comfort level with masks and things like that. And it was far enough out. We had started talking early enough. It was far enough out that by the time we got to our first face-to-face game, We started outside actually with a cookout. Oh, cool. And and so everybody, you know, nobody had their masks on. We were outside. We were vaccinated, right? Super safe. And everybody kind of got comfortable at that level. And then after dinner, we moved into the house to play. And by that point, it was familiar enough that we kind of all just settled into like, oh, yeah, yeah, we like used to do this all the time kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, there were definitely concerns. Some of us in my game group, some of the people in my game group um, had to keep working. Like they were in jobs that were um, essential and customer facing. So like they had to be through the pandemic had to kind of be out among people. And, uh, and other members of my group, like myself were basically just locked down at home. Mm -hmm. I, I work, I work in it and I didn't have to go anywhere. Like I locked down in my office and basically spent like a year in my house you know with the occasional trip to pick up food and groceries and stuff and there was a little bit of there was a little bit of trying to get comfortable like who's comfortable like taking off masks getting together cuz the people who were like customer facing they were much more comfortable they were yeah. like oh i see people all the time and the rest of us were like i haven't been in front of people that are that are not my direct family like for a year like i'm weird like I don't like how do you like how do you conversation right like yeah, so we you know we had those moments for a little while until kind of like we all kind of fell back into uh you know into like a like a normal rhythm
1: for me, it was kind of almost like like up until that two weeks past the second shot, I was very reluctant to go out shopping to you know like I had a small circle of people that I was comfortable getting together with. But I was very reluctant, you know, no restaurants, no, you know, trying to do curbside pickup for anything else I could do. You know, I was really reluctant to go out there. But like, there was like almost a switch flipped. After that second shot and two weeks had passed, I had a one of my gamers happens to work like less than half a mile from my house. And he was like, Hey, I had to come into work today. You've you're two weeks past your second shot, right? And yeah. And he's like, I'm two weeks past my second check. Can I step by and just hang out and we could chat for a bit? So he and I sat out in the garage, chatted for a bit, gave each other a hug before we left. And it was like, it was the first time I had hugged a human being in a year, you know, year plus. And it was like, oh, hey, this is what being social feels like again.
0: That's that's what happened with my group is uh, we got back together. So we were keeping each other up to date on, on vaccinations. We all knew what that two week date was. And then the first Sunday after that, we were back at the table and the first 15 minutes of the session with everyone just kind of hugging each other and reminding them that we're still alive and yeah. that we're humans, uh, which is, you know, ordinarily I'm a, I'm a guy that, you know, okay, we're here, time to play. Let's get started. But allowances must be made now. And I certainly appreciate that a, a bit more where, you know, if the lunch break or the dinner break goes on for an extra 15 minutes while we just kind of hang out, then that's, that's what it has to be. And yeah. that's, that's okay.
1: Yeah. You, you got to factor in that, that, that social time. I know playing you know via zoom or whatever connection method we used it's like i was a lot more lenient over the past year about just allowing you know like chit chat and ha- you know like letting people have those moments to to reconnect even if it's virtually
2: oh yeah we um my first my first game was technically half a session because we like we just couldn't uh we couldn't just focus on the game like we were playing the game and then like I, we'd break into like a hundred different tangents and, and we had been playing online together all year. So it mm-hmm. wasn't like we hadn't seen each other, but just being in front of everybody made everybody like super chatty and like really kind of um, unfocused and giddy. And I just was like, it's okay guys. Like we'll just, we'll play what we play like tonight and it's fine. Just like relax. Let's have a good time. We'll get whatever we we get covered. It's no big deal.
1: For either of you, was there, there any issues with, like, like one of the, 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 the bullet points I've got in our list here is investment into virtual tabletops, because I know a lot of people over the last year have put, you know, investment both time and financially into getting virtual tabletops set up to run their games more efficiently online, and like you lose that when you go back to playing face-to-face. Is that anything you guys have had to deal with at all?
0: I I know uh, I was using VTTs at my table already mm-hmm. uh, just because I liked throwing a, a, a table, uh, a TV on top of my table and having maps at a moment's notice. <laughs> but one thing I have gotten, it, I got so angry and frustrated with every VTT ever created that I started playing a lot more theater of the mind online, which is backwards for most people. I think most people were leaning more into the the. Certainly in the D and D space in, the, in yeah. the tactical combat, because the grid makes it easier to run that space. But I got so frustrated with trying to, with bad UI design, and I'm looking at you, R, comma twenty, uh, that I, I'm, I'm not fighting with this. I'm just going to and do the do these stuff in such a way that I don't have to have a map and it's a better game. And plus, you know, my my D D playing went down. I started playing other games more because the VTT made other players more accessible. So my D D quantity went down, and other games went way way up.
2: That makes sense. I, I did actually have to um, transition out of the VTT. I was—I've been—I have been for, oh, I don't know, a year and a half or more. I've been running Forbidden Lands, and Forbidden Lands has a big map that you know, like, is of the Forbidden Lands. And one of the mechanics in the game is that as you Explore hexes, you need to note which hexes you've been through because you don't have to make a certain role, the pathfinding role, to go back through that hex again. So when we first transitioned to tabletop, I had to like take the big map, put it on my desk, and on the VTT had to like put dots on all the hexes that the group had been through. And then we played for a year and they explored like whole other chunks of the board and i you know would just put the dots from the vtt onto it so before we played our first game i had to like come back sit the map down again on the desk <laughs> and transfer all of the mm-hmm. dots back and i had to remind my players like hey your character sheets are over a year old download new character sheets copy your characters off of the vtt
0: i love electronic character
2: sheets. and that was like that was one transition But the other transition that was actually hard for the players was the VTT did all the dice rolling. Yeah. So Forbidden Lands is a dice pool game that uses like three specific colors of dice. And the players just were like, okay, like sitting there looking at their dice, like counting them out again. And we definitely had some uh, learning curve of getting back to, yes, this is how you roll dice in the game again, because the VTT had made it so easy during, you know, during play.
1: Yeah, I know one of the guys in my group has, Yeah, he's too busy with his job right now to be running, but he has said if he picks up D&D again, even if we're playing in person, he will have his laptop up with the VTT on it to do all of his record keeping for D&D.
0: Yeah, D&D Beyond has made me lazy in, in many character sheet capabilities <laughs> to the point where if someone shows up with a piece of paper, I'm going to go in my office, find a three year old Android tablet and just like just. Just, just use this, please just, <laughs> you know. but you know, of course you're welcome to use the every spell card that you know is at the table you're welcome to pull those out and we'll wait we're patient but it's the VtT's really changed how I prepare for games and how the how the notes I've made are are more relevant to the I think I'm going to get done because I, I can just copy what I want drop them into this thing and that's something I would not do as much of in person if I had the book I'm like, well, I can always grab the book. Um, which I could do online, but when I was online on a VTT, I was it was easier to organize that data. Yeah. So now I've you know I've I've got my my Notion book up and I've got my notes in there. And I do that now for in person as well. Kind of following the Mike Shea method of of prepping. It's it's a good it's a good mix. So I've kind of found a you know a good balance.
1: Yeah, I haven't had to like I'm not currently the GM of anything, so I haven't had to consider that switch. You know, I do have my East Texas University game fully in roll 20, so it would be difficult to leave all of that prep work behind. But at the same time, if it's the cost of getting to game with my people face to face, I'll take it. <laughs> what about conventions? You know, a lot more of the conventions are are basically taking the chance of Scheduling the in-person event, uh, we've got uh, I believe, an in-person Gen con and in-person origins both happening you know at the beginning and end of September respectively. Uh, there's other conventions happening later in the fall. you know I, I've talked to a lot of people who like while they may be comfortable having their their personal you know small group of people get together face to face, they're not ready to go back to a you know a big more public event
0: particularly with the the variants that are sweeping through yeah I'm, I'm more concerned about that at convention and i love role-playing conventions i'll go anywhere anytime to play in an rpg convention so what i'm tentatively targeting a return to is pax unplugged in december but i i can't think i would do it without you know double masking and taking mm-hmm. extreme precautions and even then i'm not sure i'm ready to do that just because I don't want to become a carrier for anyone. And, and that still could happen at home. And you we know with my, my smaller group, but it's way less likely than yeah. 5,000, you know, sweaty nerds in a building.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, my personal feeling right now is that I'm not ready to go to a convention. I'll just say this. I think I can just say this. This is the opinions of Phil Vecchione, right? doesn't reflect upon any of my organizations or anything like that. I'm not comfortable with the, presence of the Delta variant, right? So we're talking about right now, we're talking about July uh, mm-hmm. 2021, right? If you're listening to this anytime later, I, I'm not comfortable with the presence of the Delta variant and the decreased efficacy of the Pfizer vaccine, which is probably also true for the Moderna vaccine and who knows about J&J. Also, I, I'm not thrilled that, so for instance, if we look at Gen Con, right? Gen Con's, Gen Con's um, latest tweet this, this afternoon was that 87% of attendees say they're vaccinated. So they're going to remove mask requirements, but it's going to be in a state whose vaccination rate, you know, is not high as high as say my state, right? New York. It's now going to have no mask requirements. We don't know what the mask requirements are for support staff, for the people in the hotels that are taking care of the hotels, the restaurants everything around it and then like look we just like i i don't want to be a debbie downer about this but we have a name for the cold you catch at a con right (laughs) like because because we named it because it is so prevalent that we get each other sick when we go to conventions because people wind up showing up either under the weather knowingly or unknowingly they wind up you know pushing through to play games or whatever yep and at the 10 20 50,000 person range like those odds are not good yeah that's right
1: yeah i look back at um i get my facebook memories showing up in facebook and i get a lot of convention reminders in june because of origins and it reminded me this year in 2010 i went recovering from a cold that i was not recovered from And ended up making myself even sicker. And by the end of the convention, I had no voice. And you know, I'm just shrugging. Oh well, I was patient zero. And like, no, don't don't do that thing.
0: It has a different implication now, and I'm going to be way more conscious of that because I know there were times I'd like, "Ah, I'm not feeling great. I'm going to go do this thing anyway. Mm -hmm. No more. That that will stop. Yeah, that that's incredibly selfish. Now I'll never do that again.
1: I mean, considering that situation and how I felt getting ready for Origins, I pro today I probably would be like, "I'm going to wear a mask." But by the second or third day, when I realized I was not getting better, it would have been like, "No, I stay in the hotel room."
2: I, I mean, I, what you ma- know, what makes it worse, right? Is is especially if you're vaccinated, is asymptomatic. Yeah covid so you don't even feel terrible but you're walking around you know you're walking around spreading spreading the disease yeah so yeah i'm i'm like super uncomfortable i'm super uncomfortable with the large cons right and i love i you know i I went to gen con for years and i you know been going to origins for some time and i i love both of those conventions and i just like right now I just I can't even fathom going to something that large. I would go to a smaller con, possibly if it was a vaccine mandated, like yeah. you must be vaccinated in order to come to this con. I know the game hole, I think, has that requirement that you you must be vaccinated. But the thing that's making me nervous about game hole and it's not their safety, right? There's I think their safety's up front. Where will we be come fall? Yeah. Like, you know. You know, the Delta variant is, you know, now having surges in certain parts of the U.S. in the summer, which is not good because as we experienced last year, we had a great, you know, we had a a pretty significant dip in infections in the summer heading into the fall and then a gradual rise in infections, you know, through, you know, through the late fall into the winter. Where are we going to be, you know, November of this year?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm. Like, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, coming up at the first weekend of August, I have a small gamer gathering. You know, we call it a convention, but it's it's 30 people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone, you know, like we stated at the beginning, comfort level is that everyone is vaccinated. So it's like I have no qualms about that one. Beyond that, right now, I'm planning on doing UConn in November. That one's generally under a thousand people, so it's it's what I would call a medium sized con. I'm planning on doing that one, but it's it's all going to depend on what you know what happens, you know, over the next couple of months. Like they have fully announced that they're planning. Like th- they've been great about being cautious about not announcing things before they're ready to announce. But they did just announce that they are planning on having the in person event with the understanding that if things spike, they're going to have to cancel and switch to just doing a virtual con.
2: Yeah. And I think the tough part is, right, it's it, it's just the uncertainty of it. I mean, for all we know, by November, there'll be a Delta booster. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, you possible. know, the, the mRNA technology that's, you know, that's being used to create these vaccines, it's pretty um, like it can be done pretty quickly. And if you can get it through trials fast enough, like it's entirely possible we're all just going to get a booster sometime in the fall, and maybe then Delta won't be, yeah,
0: It won't be a big deal. You know, yeah. w-
2: won't be as scary.
0: You'll be getting you'll be getting your 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 COVID shot every year like get your flu shot. Yeah, yeah. but as this thing is mutating, it's a five strain instead of a four strain. It's going to be a thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, in fact, Moderna just announced that they're actually um, making mRNA flu. Sh- uh, they're they're getting ready to put into trials mRNA flu shots.
1: That's that's awesome.
0: That's great news. Yeah. So
2: yeah, I think for me, cons is I think that I think con organizers certainly you know can do what they can to be safe, but I think that one you got to look at the you got to look at the vaccination and infection rates in the area where the con is located, and I think you got to take into account. I think you got to take into account size. I think it's naive to think that there isn't going to be some sort of spread at a super large event. Like yeah. I, I just, statistically, the numbers do not bear out that it's going to be, you know, zero. Yeah. And, and then you have to make that a determination. Like if you're vaccinated, even the Delta variant, if you get sick with it, your protection from serious COVID and death is still, I think, pretty high, like significantly yeah. high. But your chance of actually getting it now and like just coming down with it and being home or whatever, like. That's not as high anymore.
1: Yeah, it's it's. there's a lot of I've, I've done a fair amount of reading and talking to various smarter than I people about it. You know, so I feel relatively comfortable. But at the same time, these variants, you got to be careful. But I'm still glad at the opportunities to get together with with, you know, my small group of friends.
0: I, I think that's I think it's, a, it's OK to acknowledge that that's different. And I don't think I feel hypocritical about that cons for me will be a masked event for the foreseeable future Mm -hmm. if i go to a con of any more you know than 500 people probably even smaller than that i'm gonna have a mask on just because it's the best thing to do and getting on an airplane that's Mm -hmm. 150 people that requires a mask and 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 rightly so i I think a con should be in that same space
2: yeah yeah i think I, i think that i think that we should embrace the idea of friend cons Right, I think we should. Mm-hmm. I think we should totally embrace the idea that large scale cons are a risk benefit evaluation. And like you said, John, probably safely it should be a thing that you just wear a mask for and just just be safe with and your comfort of how long. You know, do you want to wear a mask for eight hours at a con? That kind of thing. I like friend- to see
0: the, the cons adjust to that as well and not cram. You know, they have to think about their table placement. It's going to be a lot yeah. harder.
2: Exactly. So, I but I think friend cons. I think friend cons are a great idea. You can get a group of friends, you know, bigger than your normal game group, because otherwise it's just your game group, right? So bigger than your normal (laughs) game group and get together in a house, in a, you know, couple of hotel rooms, whatever, and run some games in a way that you can just be sure that like the people who are attending meet your safety criteria. I'm not going to say vaccinated because it's up to you to make your determinations. I personally would be, you know, vax minimum safety. Yep. But um, you know, make sure that everybody is, you know, at the same safety level, same comfort level, and then yeah, get together and get together like in a larger group and divide up and play a couple games and then mix it up, and divide up and play into a couple games. It's great.
1: Yeah, I I I got to say I've seen the event list for this this mini personal con I'm going to in August and I am so excited. Mm-hmm. Like I there's games I'm not going to be able to play cuz, you know, like like somebody's going to be run, running a game based off the mummy. And I'm like, <laughs> I want to be in that so bad, but I think they have me running my tails from the loop game opposite them. So I'm like, but so I just, I want a game. You know, that's, that's what this all boils down to is the chance to game with people again.
2: Absolutely.
0: I just don't remember how to laugh because I didn't laugh for like a year in a row. <laughs> like I, I just was such a weird mental spot that I would watch comedies and I'm like, I'm not laughing at this funny movie. What's happening? And I hope to get out of that funk by seeing other humans again.
1: Yeah. Any last words on game, you know, getting back together face-to-face gaming?
2: You know, I, um, I, I, I will say your first game back, set your expectations, set your expectations lower. The socialization is going to be higher. We actually spent 10 minutes trying to remember where we all sat around the table. Like, <laughs> we, we got in there and we're like, I was like, wait, this isn't the chair I usually sit in for playing and like, We like, there was like literally 10 minutes of us kind of like remembering, like, where, where do we put the map again? Like, oh, it goes like, oh, you guys move your stuff. It goes over here. Like, set your expectations lower. Expect that there's going to be some chit chat time and socialization. Even if you've been talking to each other the whole time on Zoom, being in the same room is a completely different dynamic. And just, just go have a fun first game. Like, just like, if you play a little and you talk a lot, it's okay. Like, it's like casual. Yeah, just play casual.
0: And uh, to that I would add two things. Uh one, you are likely and maybe not the only person in your home uh, if you're hosting. So be aware that if you have pets or little ones around that they're probably not used to the noise, not used to the chaos and it's okay if that's an issue. So remember that could be an issue and uh, if you have a partner that you live with, maybe they're not used to having that kind of energy level around uh, and people will get a little anxious, a little wound up, so remember to take a time to take a breath and then bring everyone back down to an even keel because uh, energy will run a little high. So just be aware and try to read the room.
1: I'll throw a little anecdote onto that. My, my cat Loki is one of the most social animals I've ever met in my entire life. And he was so happy when I had gamers back over, <laughs> like he was literally sitting at any empty seat at the table to basically try and join the game. It's like, he was definitely happy to see people again. So this show is funded by the Gnome Stew Patreon. You too can be a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnome Stew website to the Gnome Stew Patreon. This ad is brought to you by the Bubbles of Ultimate Protection. Want to get back to face-to-face gaming but still a little worried about germs? Purchase our set of personal bubbles and get your whole group seeing each other without having to touch. Please be advised that the Bubbles of Ultimate Protection should not be used on inclines and we take no responsibility for how high they may bounce when you fall down that incline. If you're enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll probably enjoy many of the other Mr. Active Mark shows. Here's one to check out.
0: Bone, Stone, and Obsidian. Jesse and Robert take monthly deep dives into the dark sun setting and discuss it across all editions of D&D.
1: You can find all of us at GnomeStew.com, at GnomeStew on Twitter, and GnomeStew on Facebook. John, where else can we find you on the internet, since technically we can't find you at those places?
0: You can find me on Twitter at John Carney.
2: Not the politician
0: yes not not john carney the governor of delaware that gets fun but no i am at john carney period
1: (laughs) phil where else can we find
0: you
2: uh well you can always find me on twitter at dna phil uh and then of course i you know do a few other podcasts so you can pick up my um podcast pandas talking games with my lovely co-host senda that drops weekly on the misdirected mark and then of course i'm on the misdirected mark show with jerry and bob uh, and you can catch us live most Tuesdays. Are also lovely. They're lovely as well. Yes, they're fantastic. You can catch us most Tuesdays live. Although we're on a little summer hiatus, relaxing for the taking a little summer time off, and enjoying catching fireflies outside. Awesome.
1: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as orikes13. O r i k e s thirteen. Though I will warn you, Instagram is mostly cats. So, do you guys think uh, we avoided the stew, or should we go back to virtual gaming?
2: (laughs) The virtual stew will get you.
0: It will. I think think we're going to live in both pots for a while. (laughs) Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs.